Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, awesome to see all of our high school students up front. I know they just came back from a great week at MOVE, and uh, really good stuff happening uh, with our uh, student ministry. But if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the book of James, uh, James chapter 3. Uh, if you want to use one of the Bibles around the room, there are some on the floor. Uh, you can turn to page 848. Uh, trust me when I say we'll get to James in a few minutes. I want to look in some other places with you first, specifically in the Old Testament. Uh, but just hang out there in James, and uh, then we'll read through it uh, together. Hey, how many of you have a guilty pleasure snack, uh, or maybe several, right? You know, I mean, we, we've all kind of got our guilty pleasure snacks, like after a really long week, you know, maybe you want to unwind a little bit on the weekend, maybe you kind of got a go-to snack if there's a, a big game on that you're watching. I mean, again, you just, you make sure you've got to have this go-to snack uh, in your house after a stressful day, uh, whatever it may be. I got to thinking about some of the guilty pleasure snacks that I enjoy, that we all enjoy. How many of you, it doesn't matter, you are just chocolate people. We got any big chocolate fans in the room? All right, whatever it is, chocolate. We've got some peanut M&Ms here and some regular M&Ms. I mean, maybe you, maybe you uh, move on a little bit more from chocolate. Maybe you like something like Reese's, Reese's Pieces. We know the E.T. kind of made Reese's Pieces even, uh, uh, even more popular. Uh, if you kind of go back to, uh, well, your, your school lunch days, I mean, maybe a, a good go-to is a classic pack of Twinkies, box of Twinkies, uh, or Oreos, and uh, all sorts of Oreos today, different kinds of flavors. Maybe you're just a classic uh, original Oreo fan. I, I got to thinking about some others. You know, I, I kind of like the fruity candy, actually. I'm kind of a fruity guy, and so whether it be Sour Patch Kids, but my personal favorite are Skittles. Uh, these kind of go way back for me. always enjoy having uh, a handful of Skittles. Uh, maybe you're a salty kind of a, a fan, so whether it be just Good old Ruffles chips. I got to tell you, one of my personal favorites, Doritos, right? In fact, for Father's Day, I got two bags of Doritos, right, from my wife because uh, we never have them in our house. She knows that I like them. My kids like them too, and so I'm a big Doritos fan. But how about this one? And uh, maybe, maybe this one didn't come to mind right away for you, but I I'm going to take a guess that we've got some fans uh, of this in the house. How, how many of you enjoy as a guilty pleasure snack some good old chocolate chip cookie dough, right? Any cookie dough fans in the house? And, and I realize this is kind of secondary. You know, this is kind of like if you have to, if you're desperate, because really homemade cookie dough, of course, is the best. And uh, so if we've got some cookies being made in our house, well, I know I'm not the only one to kind of make a pass through the kitchen. And if Jenny's not paying attention, you know, whether it be a spoonful or, you know, if necessary, just get your whole finger in there and just keep on walking. You know, I, I like so many of you enjoy uh, some good old cookie dough, but isn't it the truth that cookie dough, well, has a dirty little secret? And the dirty little secret behind cookie dough are the raw eggs, right? And they say you're not supposed to eat raw eggs. You might get salmonella or something, but did that ever hurt anyone? I don't know. But, uh, you know, and, and the FDA has gone so far to be party poopers that even on a roll like this, they put a label on there that says do not consume raw cookie dough, but does that stop any of us? Like, have any of us been stopped by the warning? Because you really, you only live once, right? You only live one time, and so you might as well live it up a, a little bit. Well, we're in this series here uh, at Genesis called My Big Fat Mouth, and last week we kicked it off, and we're talking about the power of our words, 
right? The power of our words. We look specifically at Proverbs 18, chapter, uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21 that says this, that our words, uh, if you're taking notes today, our words can give life, all right, and our words can take life. Uh, that our words can be as sweet as poison, all right, or as sweet as fruit, excuse me, they can be as sweet as fruit, but as dangerous as poison. And last week we talked about the dangers of complaining. I don't know how you did this past week. Did anybody kind of catch yourself? I know I had more than one instance where I kind of caught myself trending towards uh, complaining. I like what our Carmel campus pastor, Jerry Neville, did. They went to great lengths as a family to prevent, to curb uh, complaining in their house with just a little roll of duct tape. And their daughter, Kate, had nothing to do with it, all right? She'd have nothing to do with it whatsoever if you see her there uh, in the bottom corner. But uh, So we talked about complaining last week. Next week, our executive pastor, Steve Wallen, is going to come, and he's going to share about the dangers of profanity, some choice words, and I'm not really sure how he's going to do this, but he's also going to tell you a little bit about his trip to Ethiopia and South Africa, all right, with World Vision. So you'll get a little combination of both of those. We'll see how he does. And then a couple of weeks from now, our, our Noblesville campus pastor, Ben Krause, is going to wrap up this series talking about the dangers of criticism and just having a critical spirit and how that comes out in our words. But today, I want to talk about God. All right, I want to talk with you about gossip because chances are that you probably work with someone, Uh, chances are you go to school with someone, chances are you probably play with somebody who enjoys all of the juicy details of life, and anytime they learn something about someone else, they love sharing those juicy details with you. But if you're like me, all right, as we get started here, you might be tempted to think, well, gossip isn't necessarily an issue for me. Right, But before we get too far down that path, let's take a moment to define what gossip is. And I think most of us, uh, if we were to define gossip, we'd say things like it's talking behind someone else's back. Uh, Gossip is spreading rumors about someone else or at least information that might not be quite accurate or that you haven't verified or, or, or sharing news or business about somebody else that you really have no right to be sharing at all. One definition of gossip goes like this on the screen. The gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. And interestingly enough, the Hebrew word for gossip translated means to be or to make spacious or open or roomy. The idea behind it is it is describes someone whose lips are continually on the move. In other words, they're always talking about someone else. And interestingly, it also means to entice, to, to slander or to deceive or pursue persuade someone. So that sounds about right, doesn't it? I mean, if you combine all those together, I think we all kind of get the idea of what gossip is. But again, if you're like me, you might be tempted to think today, well, gossip really isn't an issue for me. But before letting yourself off the hook, consider a few of these questions. Like, have you ever found yourself talking about someone else that wasn't in the conversation with you? And in doing so, were there things that you said that, well, honestly, you are glad that they weren't there to hear them. Or uh, how about this? Did a coworker stop by your office or YouTube this past week to share a, a juicy piece of info with you about someone else that you work with? Or have you ever found yourself talking uh, with your spouse or a friend about that crazy neighbor on your street that no one really likes? Or uh, have you found uh, yourself recently engaging in some news and news that caused you to make a judgment about someone else's character, even though, again, that information haven't, hasn't been verified? Or 
Or have you read any articles or posts on social media about the private life of someone else, maybe somebody that you didn't even know? Or did you hear something this past week that caused you to text or email someone else just to be sure that they knew? See, when I think about it like that, or I think hopefully for all of us, maybe what we realize is that we've probably taken part in more gossip than we care to admit. See, the reality is, and we all know this, the culture that we live in today is so infatuated with rumors and dirty laundry and fake news, and it's so easy to get pulled into the drama in such a way that sometimes you're doing it and you don't even realize that you're participating in it. I like what one person said about gossip. He said, gossip can actually travel around the world and back before the truth gets out of bed and puts its pants on, right? That, I mean, that's how quickly gossip is spread and... Uh, how we latch on to it. But, but again, let's be honest. Is gossip really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? Like, I mean, what, why does it really matter? I mean, what's the harm in talking at least with a few people about someone else, and especially if it's true? Well, as it turns out, there is an Old Testament book, an ancient book in the Old Testament called Proverbs that has a thing or two to say about the subject of gossip. And as you might guess from the title, uh, the book of Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings about the best way to live your life. But what sets the book of Proverbs apart from any other book that you might ever pick up in the self-help section of the library or the bookstore is that many, a follower, many followers of Jesus believe that the book of Proverbs is actually inspired by God himself that these are the words of our creator. And so the more for us as Christians then, Proverbs is so much more than a book of wise sayings, but these are actually guidelines and warnings about what following Jesus looks like for us today. And interestingly, one of the warnings in the book of Proverbs is that participating in gossip, believe it or not, is a lot like consuming raw cookie dough. Let me show you. Here's why. Proverbs Chapter 18, verse 8, the writer says, Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Uh, other translations swap out the word rumors and use the word gossip instead. And while the, word, the words dainty morsels aren't words that we probably use in everyday language, uh, translated it means things greedily devoured. Things greedily devoured. In other words, hearing or sharing gossip is a lot like eating a delicacy. And what makes a delicacy a delicacy? Well, it's something that only a few privileged people have the opportunity to enjoy. And so the writer of Proverbs here says that gossip is like the sweet little treats that taste oh so good going down, right? And when something is so good, something is that rich, well, doesn't it only leave you wanting a little bit more and just a little bit more and a little more after that? And so don't miss the warning here, all right, for each of us, that while rumors and gossip might be irresistible on the front end, the challenge is, really the challenge for us as followers of Jesus is to avoid them at all costs. Because the problem is that gossip is a lot like food. And once we digest it, it starts affecting us. It's kind of like cheap candy, all right? And what's the problem with cheap candy? There's no nutritional value in it at all. And so much, I think this is what makes it so hard. So much of our world runs up on gossip today. I mean, there are so many good things about social media. I think it's one of the negative things about social media is the gossip that is spread. And so we encounter it all day long. You counter it in wor at work, at home, and at school via text, again, social media, or on the 
Homeowners Association Facebook page. I mean, you know, I mean, any and every avenue. I mean, people are always talking about people. And it's so prevalent, again, that sometimes you'll find yourself in the midst of a conversation or a thread on social media, and you don't even realize that it's actually gossip that's taking place. But if you look at it like this, I mean, have you ever considered this when you hear others talking about you? Or you become aware that others have been spreading news about you, well, then you know, right? Because when you're the victim, like then we know, then we understand and we don't like it, but we're not the only one that doesn't like it or is bothered by it. It bothers God too. In fact, as it turns out, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say, again, about the dangers of gossip. And in Proverbs 6, we discover that gossip is one of the things that God hates the most. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 6 Verses 16 through 19, let me read these for you. The writer says, There are six things the Lord hates, no, seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes or arrogance, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family, also known as gossip. And so if God hates gossip... And if Scripture warns that nothing good can come from it, then why do we do it? Why do we find ourselves trapped in it or participating in it? Uh, Or maybe a more important question for us today is how can we as followers of Jesus make every effort to overcome gossip in our conversations? And I think maybe one of the best ways to understand that is to really train ourselves to ask some different questions. When it comes to the conversations that we receive, the conversations that we partake participate in and the news that we share. And so if you're taking notes, I think three, just quickly, three questions that are helpful and helpful for each of us when it comes to the words that we share, the news that we receive. The first one is this. It's the question is, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? This conversation that I find myself in right now, is it helpful or hurtful? Uh, A group of people were asked on Facebook to be honest about some of the reasons why they participate in gossip. And to their credit, many provided some really honest answers. Things like, uh, I participate in it because it makes me feel better about myself. Uh, I'm willing to share it because I feel accepted or included when I do. Or uh, one person said, you know what, information is power. And whether the information is true or not, the more powerful uh, you feel in sharing it. But get this, one guy said this. He says, I usually tend to gossip when I feel uncomfortable or unsure of myself. I struggle with it mostly in work situations. He says, I've talked about others' poor performance as a way to connect with my superiors and take the focus off of me. I think most of it is rooted in my fear of being found out that I really don't have it all together. And the sad thing is that it actually works point out someone else's faults, and the focus is moved away from me temporarily. Unfortunately, it doesn't work long, and in the end, it usually backfires. I think he hit the nail on the head of just some of the power that comes in in gossip. It's easy to talk down about others. Again, our words can be as sweet as fruit or as deadly as poison, and so Sometimes we're willing to share in such a way that it actually it empowers us of sorts. And sometimes it's easy to disguise our gossip in what one person calls a compliment sandwich. All right, a compliment sandwich goes something like this. You're having a conversation with someone, and so as long as you say something nice about them, 
Well, then you can follow it with your criticism or your gossip or your complaints or your judgment. And then as long as you, well, end it with something nice about them again, then you have this compliment sandwich. And so it it might go something like this, you know, such and such. He's a great guy. Crazy how he treats his kids, right? But but a great guy when you think about it. Or, Or how about this? She's a really good student, really charming with so much potential, not trustworthy at all, right? All right, but man, she puts up a good front. Or, or, or how many of you have been guilty of this before? We'll disguise our gossip in a prayer request, right? Isn't that easy to do in our connection groups or with others? You know, we can disguise it in a prayer request. And so you might say something like this, you know, we need to pray for such and such. They really haven't been around for a couple of weeks. I heard their marriage isn't going really well right now. And so again, we disguise it in clever and creative ways. I'm just, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy, right? It's so easy to get caught up in it and to participate in it. And so the next time that you're tempted to serve up a compliment sandwich or gossip as a part of a prayer request, maybe you'd be right to stop and just ask yourself, is this helpful or is this potentially hurtful? Uh, Another important question we can ask to help would avoid what God hates is this, am, am I making a private matter public? Am I making really a private matter public? Uh, Proverbs 11, 12 to 13 says, It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. In other words, a trustworthy person has this ability to keep their mouth shut, all right, to keep their lips closed. And because, again, we live in this world that is so connected by things like social media, think about how easy it is to make a private matter public so quickly. And so the next time that you're tempted to maybe share a small piece of information or the latest dirt on something like social media, maybe it'd be better to ask yourself, like, would I be willing to go to such lengths to personally make a phone call to 300 people to share what I'm about to share? Uh, Or would I want someone else to share this news about me? and, And then if not, why in the world would I put it on social media? But it isn't just social media either. I mean, this goes for any of us that finds ourselves talking about someone else's life and their affairs. Pastor Rick Warren said this about gossip. He says, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. And so before sharing information on someone else, ask yourself, is this information helpful or hurtful? Uh, Is this information intended to be private and I'm making it public? And again, let's note this. I think this is important too. According to Proverbs 17, gossiping isn't limited to just sharing one's information, but it also has to do with allowing it to be spread. Look at this, Proverbs 17, verse 4. The writer says, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip and liars pay close attention to slander. And so one more question that we can ask ourselves is this one. Am I permitting, number three, am I permitting others to gossip? Am I permitting it? Because gossip is a two-way street. It takes someone who's willing to share it. It takes another who's willing to listen to it, maybe eager to hear it as well. A simpler way to look at it is this in your notes. What you permit, you promote. Sometimes what you permit, even if you don't realize it, what you're doing is promoting it. And so it's not enough just to not share gossip. Let's also be on our guard about receiving it, you know? Because remember what the proverb said, that gossip is like dainty morsels, right? That sink in, these sweet treats 
but it has the ability to cause so much harm. And, and so I think each of us would do well, you know, and when we find ourselves in a situation where we feel like uh, gossip is being shared, you can, you can certainly politely excuse yourself from the conversation. I think if appropriate, you can ask the person if it's, well, is it really appropriate for you to be sharing that information with me and with others? Or, but however you choose, I think the bottom line is just this, that our words matter. And no one, no one benefits from our gossip, from our slander, and from sharing news that really isn't appropriate to be shared. So now get this, while the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about gossip in the Old Testament, there's also a guy by the name of James in the New Testament that has a lot to say about the power of our words too. And if you're not familiar with James, you might be more familiar with this big brother. Uh, he's a guy by the name of Jesus, and I think most of us have probably know or have heard who Jesus is or a little bit about him. Well, James was his brother. And as it turns out, James became convinced that his big brother, Jesus Christ, was in fact the Son of God. But get this, and this is just a really cool perspective. James didn't come to faith until Jesus rose from the dead, right? Which is just really cool to think about even some of the challenges within their own family. And James went on to write a letter. He went on to write this great letter to first century Christians creatively called the book of James, right? And uh, many scholars refer to it, though, as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And in chapter 3 of the letter of James, he's got a lot to say about the power of our tongue. And so let's pick it up together, James chapter 3, for just a few minutes. James chapter 3, verse 5, here's what James says about our words. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a whole world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Get this. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He says, our words have the potential to be like a deadly poison. Sound familiar? Our words have the power to give life and to take life. They can be as sweet as fruit or as deadly as poison. Now, the Greek word here is literally the word snake venom, all right? The potential of our words, this restless evil, this deadly poison, our gossip, he says, is like snake venom. And how much snake venom do you feel comfortable with in your system, right? Uh, how much snake venom would you feel comfortable in the system of someone that you know? Depends who it is, right? Depends who they are and what they've done to you. Well, James' words are pretty cutting though, right? I mean, he's, he's making a really powerful point, again, just by saying, hey, the words that we share matter. The words that we take in matter. And if we're not careful, we run the risk of poisoning ourselves and others with the words and the conversations that we participate in. Now, there's one more aspect of this that we haven't even addressed yet, and that's the question, but what if the information that I'm sharing is actually true? Like, what if it's actually factual? Like, does that matter at all? Is that fair game? Well, let me answer your question with a question. How would you feel about me or someone else telling others how bad your breath really is? Like, I mean, if you think a smelly garbage can on a hot day is bad, man, you should so-and-so's breath is horrible. It might be true, right? It might be a true statement, right? But do you want anyone going around sharing news like that about you? But we've all been there before, right? Another sharing news about us 
that they shouldn't share. I think Craig Rochelle has some great wisdom to share on this. This is in your notes. Write this down. He says this. He says, everything you say must be true, but everything that is true does not need to be said. All right? Everything you say must be true. There's a lot of wisdom in that, but also, but everything that is true does not need to be said because, yes, it is true that people have affairs. It is true that people make mistakes. Some drink too much, sleep around. We all know people that have struggled, maybe some of us with addictions, and make poor choices and get divorced and get arrested and lie, cheat, and steal. The point is this. All of those situations come with their own difficult set of circumstances and consequences that an individual has to deal with. But the last thing that someone else needs in their life is to have someone else out there talking about them and spreading the news that they really have no business sharing whatsoever. And so just because we have information that may or may not be true doesn't mean that we have the free reign or permission to go about spreading that news and perpetuating someone else's problem. Now, why is it wrong? Why is it a bad idea? Well, it doesn't matter who you are, but I think we all know the potential of spreading news and rumors and even just the different consequences that come as a result of so many people maybe talking about one particular individual. We've all seen that. But here's the thing about what it means for us as followers of Jesus. Why is it wrong? It's wrong because it's sin. It's sin. And our Creator detests it. And because it's a sin, it means that Jesus died for it and it's something that He came to redeem us from because Jesus wants us to be different than the world around us. And I'm just telling you now more than ever, I mean, he, I, I believe our Savior Jesus Christ, he desires for us, for our church, for those who claim to follow Jesus to be distinct from this world and striving for holiness and all that we do and grace and love and our words included. As we talked about last week, Paul says that we were called to shine like stars in this dark world. And the reality is this, that when our words lead to something like complaining and when we become people of gossip, well, we shine less. We just shine less. And so Jesus wants so much more. James wants so much more. Listen to this warning from James in verses 9 through 12. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. With it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Do you see the hypocrisy that it's calling out? He's saying if you're going to follow Jesus, hey, it means one thing. If you're not, it means something else. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What's James getting at here? It's a heart matter, really. He's describing the heart. He's saying, hey, you'll produce who you are. Like it's going to come out. Whatever is on the inside, at the core of who you are and claim to be, it's eventually going to come out in your words and in your actions. And so who we are on the inside is going to eventually show up on the outside. And so our words matter. Again, they can give life and they can take life. They can curse others and they can worship God. And in the case of gossip, they can poison us and have the potential to poison the people around us. And you know what? I, as I found this this past week, I have a hunch that James learned this. He had a, there's a life lesson in here that I think was very personal to James. And I think he learned it from his brother. 
I think he learned it from Jesus. I wonder if he heard these words from Jesus and if they just pierced him at his heart and they were something that he came back to maybe later on when he really acknowledged that his brother was the son of God. Look at Luke chapter 6. One more moment for just a second. Luke chapter 6, back up to page 720 if you're using one of the Bibles in the room. Jesus shared these next words as a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was really just kind of casting a vision for what God's people ought to look like on this planet. And so he talked about a little bit of everything, our words, our actions, the way that we treat each other, the way that we act in our marriages. And here's what Jesus had to say about our words and our character and who we are at the very core. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never never gathered from thorn bushes. And grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. He says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And then Jesus said this, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Or the words that you choose will be a reflection of what's really going on on the inside and what is central and of most importance to you. Because just as a good tree will eventually bear fruit, so a person's heart will eventually bear fruit. A good heart producing good works and an evil heart producing evil. Everyone's heart will eventually be exposed for what it is and a strong indicator of the character of a person's life and heart is in what they say. And again, with these simple proverbs, Jesus shows us that he demands so much of us as his followers, as his people, as his shining stars here on this planet. And he demands a changed heart, a changing heart, a transformed heart, one that is centered on God above anything else in this world. And it's a heart that delights in good and not in evil. And so I think the question that we must ask ourselves this morning is just this. What's going on in my heart today? Who is at the center of my life? Who or what above anything else is determining my actions, my life, my choices, and my words, and the way that I treat others? We have been called to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our might, And the teaching is basically this, that our love for God will truly be proved in the way that we love others and talk with others and talk about others. May God have all of our hearts, every part of who we are today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I know I've been guilty of these things and I just saw evidence of that all week long, of how quickly my heart can stray in different directions and how my flesh can take over and affect my mind, affect my words, affect the things that I say about others, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sin and forgive me for trying to live out of myself and my own emotions at times rather than be fully dependent, completely dependent on all of you, Lord. And I want you to have all of my life. I want you to have everything of who I am and all of my actions, my words, everything that I do. And I pray that for each of us here today. And believe there are many people here today that are just saying the very same thing. I want Jesus to have every part of me. 
every part of me, all of my actions, the way that I treat others, the words that I choose, the conversations that I find myself in. We're not perfect, and Lord, even James says it in his word, you know, that, hey, we can, we can tame creatures on this planet, but taming your tongue is nearly impossible on your own. But with the help of God, with the help of you, Lord, that you can transform us more and more into your likeness each and every day. That's our prayer today, God. Would you transform us more and more into your likeness today? and have every part of who we are. Take our hearts today, Lord. We are offering ourselves up, surrendering ourselves to you. Father, use Genesis, use us right now in this community to shine like stars in everything that we do. Help us to bear fruit for others to know Christ and to turn to Christ. We want to be known for your love and for our faith and our trust in you and everything that we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.